Broadcasting from Occupy Tongva land in Long Beach, California. This is Wait, Why Am I Talking Podcast. This is my comrade, Miles. What up, Miles? How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, a great day. I'm going to go do some canvassing later for Fatima. Um, excited for our guest today, uh, Anna Christensen. And um, in terms of me personally, uh, still still looking for that job. That golden goose to get mm-hmm. me through the day uh, and uh, prevent me from being homeless or evicted. No doubt. Coercion. How you feeling, Jordan? Uh, good. Uh, just already have found my uh, work exploitation where I can labor for someone else. So, you know, that's much better. I've been doing pretty good. I've, I've been laying low a little bit. Uh, been going out occasionally again. Things are a little bit up in the air. I've decided that um, I've become an ardent anti-masker now. Um, you know, honestly, not to sound like a libertarian, but if you're not vaccinated, good luck. God bless you. See you later. I'm uh, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> yeah, it's wild out there, man. Like, it's been over a year since this fucking pandemic started. And lockdowns opening up, this Delta variant. We thought we had some sort of, like, mental handle on what was going on. And I feel like all that is out the window again. It's really, it's really like, this is the same thing of like, so what's the end point here? Like, uh, just, we're just going to do this literally forever. Yeah. Four more years, four more years, four <laughs> I don't more think, years. I don't think there's an end point. I think like, this is it. This is like, you know, we adapted tests, masks. All right, move on. Go buy your shit. Like, Yeah. The yeah, economy's I guess it's gotta just gonna be like this. It. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're just gonna be like not really enforce vaccines. And then we're just gonna like every six months I'm gonna we'll be like, oh my god, it's getting so bad again. This is crazy. How could this have happened? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, man. Like at this point, what else is there to expect? But the same shit that we've seen the past year. All right. Uh Miles, tell us a little bit about Anna. Yeah, so today we have a, a great guest, a fellow DSA Long Beach member, Anna Christensen. And, uh, but uh, they've been mainly organizing longer with Long Beach Area Peace Network, and they're also involved, w- involved with the Los Cerritos Wetlands campaign and the Tech P- Pavugna campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of wealth of experience, and we're going to be talking with them uh, about the, their campaign uh, related to an Olympic swimming pool that Long Beach wants to build in Belmont Shore. Um, so we're going to tap into their wealth of experience, their wealth of information, their their knowledge of History. the various systemic institutions to figure out what's going on and how this relates to uh, the Olympics as well as, um, yeah, justice, social justice. Awesome. Let's get into it. Let's get started. Anna, thank you so much for joining uh, the Wait podcast today. Myself, uh, Miles, Vic, and Jordan. We really appreciate it. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. I'm uh, honored to be in such company. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I don't know as, you know, what you guys do about, about the Olympics, but I did learn. So I also appreciate the invitation because it caused me to do a little more research and you know, try to see that big picture of 
for the work that we're doing here. It's all like connects, like no Olympics, defund the police, all the socialist values that we share intersect in these different, you know, campaigns that we're engaging in. So no Olympics is trying to build, um, the Olympics is trying to build a pool in Belmont Shore, right? Yes, the city um, had built this pool originally uh, in in um, the 1970s. I think I had I looked it up. I don't have the exact year. And at that time, uh, I believe Long Beach may have already had two public pools, and they were basically 24 meter pools. That's a that's a typical size for a community pool for just swimming, recreation, and basic swimming lessons. Uh, and one was in Martin Luther King Park and the other was in Silverado Park. So both of those uh, facilities did serve uh, communities of low income and, and uh, you know, people of color. When, when it was decided to build the Belmont pool, it was called the Olympic pool. And, and I'm not sure how much of it was promoted in relation to the Olympics, but it's basically Olympic sized. That's what, when you talk about an Olympic sized pool, it's twice as big as the other. So it's 50 something, I don't know the exact, anyway. So that was built on the beach and it never, nobody ever used it for the Olympics. There might've been a tryout, but it was never, and that's very much would be the case should this next pool be built as well. So what happened is by 2013, uh, the pool had suffered, they said it was earthquake damage, there were cracks. And basically, because I know people who work in parks and rec to the city, they weren't maintaining it and they weren't staffing it fully due to financial mm. you know, choices. They, and that's true of many parks and many park programs you know, throughout the city. And to clarify, this is the original 1970s Olympic right. market. That's pool. that facility. And it had one Olympic size pool inside with some bleachers, dressing room, and a high dive, pretty much normal high dive though. And then outside, it had a, a large teaching pool and I think a smaller kind of children's deal, a, no food or anything. Okay, so then the cost was estimated in 2013 for a rebuild, oh, I'm sorry, for repairs at about 40 million. And, but instead, what they did is they tore the old pool down in 2014. They decided, no, we're not going to repair it. We're just going to start over. And as much as the city tried to claim for many years, argue in front of the Coast Commission that this was simply a rebuild and they didn't have to follow any of the newer rules, wow. they lost. This is a brand new facility. And so in 2014, in July, they convened stakeholders. And these stakeholders, this is 17 people who represent private at sports teams uh, like the like the divers, McCormick divers, where you pay about fourteen hundred bucks a year to have your kid, you know, trained for sports. And then there's the private uh, clubs that are like teams, like competitive teams, team mm-hmm. sports. There wasn't one. The head of Parks and Rec was on the committee, and some neighborhood people from Belmont Shore. And it's really interesting in looking at at what they discussed in their, in their meetings. And they had only three meetings. So this is July, they convened the committee. By September, uh, they have finished their report. And by October, the city has approved $103 million for a rebuild. Wow. And there was, there was no public access. There was one meeting at Rogers. 
no one, and this is really typical. And, you know, I sort of felt like the Olympics and the Belmont pool are like evil twins. They mirror, they mirror each other, like gotcha. smoke and mirrors. Totally. Because the whole mindset is not, is not necessarily one of wanting to be abusive. It's just, we didn't think about it. Never occurred. No, it never occurred. Now, when the first pool was built, the city voted because it was, it was funded by a bond. So everybody in the city got a chance to vote and they said he still voted for it. And what we see now when we were, were going out originally out, say to, to the ninth district is to Richardson's meeting is that it doesn't take very much to trigger somebody's sense of, Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I guess it's important. Like the queen Mary. Yeah. That that's me. That I'm sure that's, I'm part of that. We, you know, and so same with the Olympics. Oh, and I'm not saying we don't want to support quality athletics or anything, but the, but the, the downside is not brought up the cost, the overall cost and the mm -hmm. suffering of people. And so yesterday, who, who did we meet? We, we met whole families that didn't swim or right. a, a mom about taking my, my, my grandchildren, you know, a grandma to the beach because, you know, I couldn't save them, you know? And so those, wow. those conversations, that reality, that's what they avoided by. And, and Richardson started realizing it by the end. And he started commenting on it, but he still voted for the pool. I want yeah. to explore because you briefly mentioned the Coastal Commission. And, um, I, you know, that's shocking. I didn't realize that in what I believe you just said, 2014, it was pretty much like special interest deciding, oh, let's spend all this city money on a pool. Um, but I know from there, because I've, I've we've had a relationship for a pretty long time, yourself and Labopin, you've been organizing to influence sort of the outcomes around this. Uh, you briefly mentioned the Coastal Mission Commission. Could you talk a little bit more about the road that this campaign has sort of traveled and what role, like what, what, what has been sort of the interaction between the Coastal Commission and the city um, and some of uh, the interested parties there? Yeah, you know, so just to, just to catch up. So, so in 2014, the city at the city level approves the, the pool. Now, that that there's two laws in California. One affects the whole state. That's called. But in California, we have two laws that relate to environment that we can argue. And one is the California Environmental Quality Act, which allows you to talk about noise and pollution and placement, traffic, all that sort of stuff. The, the irony of, of that law is that you can't talk about it, how it impacts how a project could impact some other part of the city. It's only how that project impacts noise at that location. So there's huge limits and there's all these uh, machinations. So that's one reason, like, even though we have this law, we have still have a pretty crappy environment in a lot of communities, right? Okay, so at that point, the city got sued. They got sued by a local group called CARP, Citizens About Responsible Planning, that focused simply on those impacts. And that lawsuit continues, it, it, they, they, they have lost, but they have cost the city plenty and they have slowed the project, which is really, really important. Uh, and they didn't necessarily say, they, they really thought they would win. Why? Because the pool is gonna be underwater. I mean, we have sea rise. This is in absolute off the charts insanity to build anything on the beach anymore, right? I'm just saying, that's insane. So then when it passes that, now at that point, the Coastal Commission can only comment, and they do. They comment, they write letters, but eventually they have to get this permit, a coastal development permit. So the Coastal Commission, by the time they went for, finally went for the permit, our argument 
The Lebopin focused. We didn't sue. We don't have the money to sue. And the other group didn't really focus on Real quick, environmental you, uh, justice. Tell people, the audience, what Lebopin stands oh, for. Oh, yeah. Long Beach Area Peace Network. We, it's basically, well, they, the current members don't necessarily agree, but I see it as an outgrowth of a Long Beach Area Citizens Involved, which was the watchdog uh, when I met them. Uh, years ago of City Hall. And they focused totally, they zoomed in on local and they were like hawks. And they were also a coalition as this group is to a degree of other groups. So we had, we had you know, uh, groups representing all sorts of constituencies. Oh, it was truly interesting. It was really an interesting group. Okay, so anyway, this group, um, I feel like we're kind of like an elders because we're all old. And also, we're lo a lot of us are really experienced in, in different areas of organizing, whether it's anti-military. It was mainly about peace, but but it really is a social justice group. So you guys know Nate Tushnet, maybe, or people more involved. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and our meetings used to be really uh, rough, but we're more polite. I mean, if you don't... <laughs> You don't want to. <laughs> anyway, this is being recorded. That, that's okay. No, we don't, we don't no need more. so much politeness I say no here. More. We can be a little yeah, less. Yeah, we're not big fans <laughs> of politeness. <laughs> so anyway, but the wisdom is there. And, and also a certain level of trust among, I would say, you know, most of the time, the, there's nobody trying to scheme on anyone. So my focus, once I figured out, once I happened to Google how many people learn to swim and find out that the majority of children of, of who are not white don't learn to swim and 45% of white kids don't learn to swim. So what the hell is going on? How come we're expanding and building two Olympic pools next to each other with a $12 million high dive in the richest, whitest corner, corner, any corner wouldn't make sense, but in the richest, whitest corner of town, when we've only had these two little 24 meter pools ever in a hundred years, right? And statistically, this simply does not compare across the country. Lakewood, Lakewood has two pools and look at them. And so the other factor in this that I have to bring some money. Oh, but the justification is that it has to, that the pool is going to be paid for. And at first in 2014, it was stated by Tom Modica, who is now our current city manager, that the pool would be totally funded with the money from the Tidelands oil. So what's that? Okay. We found some oil, obviously, everywhere in L.A., especially in Long Beach. That was on land. But at a certain point, we, we realized there was oil under the water. So we built the oil islands and we started pumping away, which we continue to do, even fracking off and on. And we took all the money. But guess what? That water really isn't ours because it's state water. So at a certain point, the state said, uh, whoa. You know, you don't get to keep all the money. So we negotiated a deal in which we keep a small percentage. It's not really that much of the money and the rest goes to the state. All right. So what was part of the deal? That the money would have to be spent where the tide comes in. But it's not really where the tide comes in. It's awkward because we built, you know, the harbor. We built downtown. We've, we've invaded that area. So the Thailand's map that we use, and this is even including where where you how you trim trees is weird it's not the real tidelands because the tide people argue well the tide goes up the river why can't we spend you know money further north of, of, you know on but that doesn't have and that that's a, a serious argument that could be made we need to renegotiate why can't thailand's oil money be spent you know throughout the city but at this point that was the argument so okay 
but that didn't happen. They immediately went after, or in, what happened in 2015 is the bottom dropped out of oil. When this, when this pool was created, oil was coming in at a hundred bucks a barrel. It dropped to 50, uh. dropped to 50 in 2015. So the city had a little meeting and they created a list of priorities for Thailand's oil money. And the first priority was public safety. But even the year they did that, they still set aside supposedly 61 million for the pool. The pool, oh it was a competitive pool. It was a serious chunk. And in order to be able to allocate that and under that budget, and because of the pool, a couple of things happened. One, certain projects that were in the pipeline and the Thailand's budget is divided into like things that go to keep services going like lifeguard services, for example, on the beach, kind of important. But also there's the, what do they call that? Projects where you build infrastructure, right? So, you know, so, oh, here's a plan. We're going to build a new, uh, the, we're going to fix up the sailing center or the pier. That was a big one. The pier was falling apart. Now, now it's even worse, right? So uh, everything got put on hold. Every one of those projects, Maple Seawalls, everything got put on hold to prioritize setting aside this money. So it's just sitting there and they calculated at that time. And this is the developers. I mean, I had conversations with people promoting the pool. They would have had to allocate for the net. If they didn't get this pool built by 2016, that, that was the clock started ticking every year. They would have had to add 4 million just to stay even. So we're talking about inflation and costs. So it was a sinking already. It was already sinking. So what, what happened is as it moved forward and it started to go to the coastal commission and the coastal commission was challenging certain things. They revised the plan to the extent that it really should have a whole new environmental impact, but they refused to do it. So what they did is they just took the building away, which in a way was a good thing for both people and birds because the dome would have killed a lot of birds and the birds have retaliated against those domes by pecking, pecking them to the thumb have collapsed. So the whole thing was a, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever. So anyway, now it has no roof. So now the pool that my kids learned to swim in, when I got home from work in November, where it was warm inside, and by the way, I don't live very far, I live up the street, so I could, and I have a car, no big deal, even though we got all got cold. But that that's not going to happen because it's in November, it's, are you going to be able to take children, babies even, my son was really tiny, to swimming lessons out in an outdoor pool? And, and are, is the, are the divers standing at the top of a $12 million diving board, all 10 of them, that's all we know, 10 people are eligible to use that board. The sand blows, it looks like a, a sandstorm every afternoon. So, so the whole thing is like, you know, kind of rotting away. And at the same time, people keep their blinders on and, oh, what? But we're the Olympics capital of America. So you have that <sighs> other side thing where this independent group forms Olympic capital, uh, capital of America to promote the pool, but they don't have a bake sale. I mean, they have, they do no private fundraising. Every, there's not one of these groups that I have ever seen try to fundraise or raise any private money to help the city with that pool. They totally count on, on the city finding that money. And where did the city try to find money in 2018? Half a million from the general fund. Jesus. We only saw it on the on the city council agenda and we, we embarrassed him and we blocked it. And half a million from our local measure A money, which is supposed what? to go for. Police. Oh, my God. No, oh, yeah, no, they tried, no. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to get. It. So that was another million. The and then that's just putting it aside. There's not 
there's no, they cannot start building that pool until they have all the money and they don't have all the money. Now they've reduced. Do you know how much they're short by Anna? What? How much more? Do you know how much they're short? Well, they they say now it's going to cost 83 million now that they took the roof of the building away and they're not building two new Olympic pools this time. What they're, they're doing is they, they got a temporary pool after they tore it. I mean, you can't not have a pool. So they, they brought in this temporary pool. Of course it's Olympic size. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't have just a 20 something meter temporary pool. So the uh. temporary pool is sitting there in the parking lot and, and it's, it's kind of crumbling. Now the original with under the original plan, they were going to give the temporary pool to the knife when they were done with it. So the, the leftover temporary pool was going to get shipped out to, I don't oh, know, Mountain Park. Isn't that generous? But now, no more, no more. No, now they're keeping it. They're going to hold on to it. So they're still going to, and then they're going to build the new, the new Olympic pool and then keep the temporary pool. So they're still going to have two Olympic pools if they get their way. And they're not going to have the restaurant. They're going to have a snack bar with affordable snacks. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and they turned the pool sideways. They turned the, they backed the pool up a few feet. So the coastal Commission said, okay. Uh, but the, so the coastal commission completely, even though they had in the meantime, since the pool got a, approved at the city level under the coastal act, they have their own environmental justice policy. If, if, in case you haven't noticed almost every, state agency and many cities, they like to have their very own environmental justice policies and sometimes even tribal consultation policies. Now, it doesn't mean that a lot changes. They're all basically very similar and they're all have plenty of loopholes for business as usual. Even before this pool, or I'm I'm not exactly sure, but by the time we started fighting the pool, we discovered that Long Beach has a policy called the Healthy Communities Policy. It's really good. And you know what it says? It says, you know what? We've been racist. We've been classist. You know, we have inequities. And, they, and they're because of, and, and we're partly responsible for that. So we're going to fix it. We're going to create healthier communities. We're going to reform police. We're going to reform uh, recreation. We're going to do this, going to do that. And so one of the things they said is all new recreational facilities are going to be built in underserved communities first. Okay. So, oh, okay, we got them. You okay. come, you think you've got this bullet, you know, you go there and it's like, oh no, that's just what we said. There's no mandate. There's no <laughs> legal obligation. You know, the only thing we ever legally slowed them down with was posting. They forgot to post that they were going to vote on something at the end of the street. And so they had to delay the meeting a month. So you, so like, you know, and they had to, that was, they got really scared. They, oh no, we can't. And that's not, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's good to focus on that. But, but the really big visionary things are, are words, you know? And so what, what power we have is, and, and a lot of it is thanks to Black Lives Matter. Let's face it. It was huge. It's made a huge difference. Yep. It's, it's really critical. We're really, everyone should be grateful that this conversation, which people have really been trying to have for a very long time. You know, I, I remember the first Watts when that happened and then the Rodney King thing. And, and it's all the same conversation about, you know, police abuse and, and racism. So uh, anyway, this is our turn now. It's our turn to speak up. So what we, we have now is with the Coastal Commission, you would think that they would not approve 
things being built on the beach. And they have many, many rules. And they're constantly having these conversations about communities and making communities revise their local coastal plans Mm -hmm. to adjust for sea level rise. And, and one of the things they say is you can no longer build stuff out in front of your fancy house on the beach. You can't build sea walls or barricades on the beach because when you personally build your own little fortress there, the water, as the water rushes in, it goes on either side. Like imagine a ship. If you're on a ship that comes to a point where, where do you see the wake? So it makes it worse on either side. Right. But they don't consider the Belmont pool, even though it's going to be built, I think it's seven feet or more higher block. It's going to be built up. It's like a wall there on a platform. That's where it's going to sit. All right. They don't consider that this pool has now some conditions on it regarding environmental justice, but it also has these conditions about sea rise. So one of the things it says is we need coastal access. So if the water, well, not if, when the water rises to the point where it's close to where this giant pedestal is, where the pool is sitting, right? If it's, if it's more than uh, 150 feet, then you have to start bringing in sand. Well, a couple of weeks ago, high tide, more than 150 feet. So that's a given. So in addition to the cost of the pool, we're now going to have to start trucking in sand. And, and that's expensive and, and it's disruptive. So that's a given. The second one is when it gets too close, you have to tear the pool down. Wait, and haul it away. And you have to have that calculated in. So I have never heard of a, of a approval for a permit for a building in which tearing it down is part of the permit. Wait, excuse me. Excuse That's me. ridiculous. Like, <laughs> part of is. the permit says if the water gets too close, they tear down the building. That's right. That's the coastal development. That's a special condition. Yeah, like, I want to I want to ask real quick. Um, do you know, can you tell us about some of the people that actually sit on the Coastal Commission? Because uh, you brought up the decision making in like 2014 and it was a collection of private interests and people from Belmont Shore. Right. And uh, since the Coastal Commission has been playing such a large role in this, like I'm very interested, like who are the decision makers? Who are who are the people with power? And I know that, like, in terms of a representative from city council, Aranga was on there. And he still is. So what the Coastal Commission does is it doesn't like to say no. It it kind of it operates a lot of the ways the way I which I parented. You know, (laughs) I didn't really want to say no. But, uh, you know, yeah, we'll go to Jack in the Box and, you know, Burger King. (laughs) You know, I worked all day and I'm tired and I don't I want you to be happy. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, but so the coastal, but they put conditions, right? Special conditions, which they really often can't enforce because Coastal Commission has police powers, but they have three cops, three enforcement officers between Malibu and San Diego. Wow. So, you know, not a lot of oversight. So that that's an issue. That's a whole separate issue. So the Coastal Commission itself, the way it's comprised, I can't remember exactly how many people are on it, nine maybe or more. You can Google it. It's really easy. Just Google California Coastal Commission. You can see who the commissioners are. But the bottom line is they're appointed. They're not elected. All right. And they're appointed by three different entities. They're appointed by the governor. He gets some appointments. Then they're appointed by the California Senate. I think it's the head pro tem Rendon, I believe, right now, and who reappointed Uranga, by the way. And and then there's and then it's somebody it's the assembly or it's another state agency. I'm sorry. I'm not totally on top of that, but they're all appointed and they all have to be except for the governor's appointees. The other two groups all have to be a representative of 
something else, like Uranus on the city council, right? So as my friend Karen Harper from the Peace Network pointed out, well, that's another systemic thing. That makes it harder. You know, you're looking around, well, do, do we know anybody, first of all, who'd want to be sitting through these in three days a month and can't afford to be meetings, right? Are they already an elected official? And, and how many, like we're looking for like a Native American person. Well, we can't, we don't know, you know, I mean, there the hurdles you have to be. And then, and then the, then what happens with Urania is really interesting because first of all, he's a city council person from Long Beach. Then when it came to the wetlands, for example, he had four votes. He had a vote as a city council wow. person. He had a vote was in Mountains Conservancy. He had a vote on Los Cerritos Wells Authority, and he had a vote on the Coastal Commission. So you, uh. you have that double thing. So uh, clearly, Uranga got to vote on the pool twice because he got to vote as a city council person, and then he got to push it forward on, on the commission. So, uh, but but the bottom line is there is there is it is insane that the commission would approve this because they're telling cities up and down the coast you have to retreat. You have to have a plan for retreat. So it's very much like what happened with, with the project in, in the wetlands when it came to approving new oil drilling locations. How, how nobody's going to believe you if, you. if you're gonna try to tell Del Mar that they can't build anything out on the beach or they have to plan for retreat and everybody's home prices are crashing, you know, a lot, who invested in this property along the beach. How are they going to take you seriously when you allow Long Beach to do this? But consistency does not matter. And what you see, the, the victories that the Coastal Commission likes to brag about, whether they're making sure that the public has access to a surfing beach in the middle of frigging nowhere, just saying, yes, it's true, the millionaires tried to stop it, but still, or that a hotel owner, motel owner, raised the rates so it's no longer a low-cost motel near the beach, which is how they're trying to be equitable now, low cost motels. You're entitled to a cheap hotel room near the beach now. Oh uh, my God. He didn't pay his workers. He cheated his workers and they got a huge settlement, but those are their victories, you know, or they stopped the gazillionaire from the rocker, you know, in new England, a U2 or whatever. I can't remember what band it was from building five houses in the Malibu Hills in the coastal zone. Okay. I'm not saying I don't approve of all those settlements, but where's the settlements for the, for, Building, allowing nuclear waste to be planted on the beach, on the sand, nuclear waste. You know, what, 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 how did you approve that? What the hell is going on here? So we see things that are so kind of stunning. You wonder why you invest so much time trying to talk sensibly. So who are these people? Well, all I can tell you is one of the things they did at, during these past few years is they fired, they got together, Urenga was brand new then, and they fired their the longtime director of the Coastal Commission. I'll think uh, there's the employee, the executive director, uh, Charles Lester. So Charles Lester was great, and they fired him. And and then some of them lost their positions over it. People were furious. Environments were furious. Surfers were furious because he did really stand up for the environment. I don't think Lester would have allowed this pool to be approved, frankly. Uh, and 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 so. That, that's a tell. So the commission goes back and forth depending on the commissioners, right? And their decisions and their rulings. We have a really great, a couple of really good commissioners now. The vote to approve the pool was, I don't think it was unanimous. I, I'm so focused on the wetlands. I remember the, that vote count better. But we, but so it is, it is, you know, really, you could still make your arguments, you know, and they're not like the city council. They don't all flip immediately. 
there's no trade-off thing going on, <laughs> but it's very difficult to get them to not just accept what the staff says. So again, we have the staff, very much like Long Beach has its planning commission staff. So everything depends on influencing the staff. In this case, the staff decided to address sea rise by simply moving the pool back a few feet, you know, and, and saying, okay, you have to add sand and then you have to tear it down. Not that you can't build it. Not that this is- Sounds, sounds like and, a really sustainable fix, you know. We'll, <laughs> we'll, what, what are we at over- $100 million for this whole project and we're still... Well, they, they remembered it was 103 and counting when they took the roof off. So now the uh, project, remember, so now they say it's 83, but that also is in, in counting. And, that, and so while you may be able to access your $83 million pool, you won't be able to park in the parking lots because they'll be underwater, as will Belmont Shore and all of the peninsula. So at the same time, all this is happening, you know, Climate change is happening, right? So Susie Price is now you you don't hear quite so much loud push because people in the peninsula are getting a little worried, especially after the head of our aquarium uh, announced that, oh, by the way, if you live on the peninsula, you can either deed your house to the relative you hate the most or, you know, otherwise just sell it and get the hell out. And you notice he retired shortly after that. Wow. But Susie, Susie <laughs> was forced to have three meetings, the councilwoman, where people were concerned about- After, after the director of the aquarium made the statement? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he did. And, and he's right because, and, and so when you look at sea level rise, uh, you have these estimates and sea level, the sea is not rising equally. It's interesting all over the planet. It, it de- depends. And there's graphs and charts and everything, but it's not going to take much sea level rise to to flood the peninsula, you know. And and so when we were arguing, that's one of the things we were arguing. They said, "Well, let those homeowners, you know, worry about it themselves. They're rich, but what about the infrastructure? Like we, so you've got you've got lines running there. If you walk on the peninsula during a super high tide, you can walk on the sidewalk there along the bay, and water comes up from the ground. So we have." With sea rise, we don't, you can't necessarily just pile sand up on the beach like we're doing now for a storm event in Seal Beach or in other places, right? Because all over, and this is true up in Oakland with, with people concerned about toxic substances under the ground because the water is rising up in their basements, right? Because the groundwater level is changing. I mean, what, you know, and, and so, uh, so th- this larger conversation about, climate change and sea level rise, it, it, it has so, so many impacts. And so do we really want to prioritize even, even in the Thailands? Okay, fine. Even, but maybe now, and, and people really in the peninsula were never really excited or in Belmont Shore about having this major public facility primarily designed for competition. They, they just kept changing the wording because the Coast Life does not prior, prioritize competition. They prioritize community, that public access right. and, for and, the community. And Anna, I know that um, the climate the climate change angle and the changing shoreline has been one of the main lines of argumentation that you've used. Yeah. Um, but another one is uh, related to equity and equitable access. That's right. And uh, recently... There were some developments because of mainly, I would argue, uh, the pressure that your organizing has created, where I know Rex Richardson uh, has been trying to do um, basically what you've been recommending for a long time, right? Um, 
Could you give us some of those more recent updates? Sure. So what, what happened is we, we saw this in, injustice. It's not that hard to figure out if kids aren't learning to swim, which kids aren't learning to swim. It's not wealthier kids, and it, it's a little less white kids, but it's certainly... So, so when we look at the demographics of Long Beach, even though Susie Price said the reason that she really wanted the Belmont Pool is that she wanted her kids who are competitive swimmers to be able to show off a facility as nice as that in Irvine. So we see, again, this, this, cool, you know, Susie. this focus. And I'm doing Thanks this because it's like blinders, right? It's like my, Susie takes, and this is a little bit about the demographics that, you know, the downside of dividing up a city so that every local district gets a vote. So this is how we integrated city councils, right? Whereas we, we allowed the votes aren't citywide, but the accountability isn't citywide. So you have horse trading. So you have, oh, give Susie what she wants and she'll give me what I want for my district. And also it's, it's the same thing nationwide, right? So uh, now I've already forgotten your question, but I'll get there. Oh, yeah, I remember it. All right. So anyway, we focused, we allowed the lawsuit was going forward. They were totally focused on the environment and the, the stupidity, the money, you know, the sea rise stuff. So we just focused on environmental justice. And it's, and it's shocking. And the history of racism is getting only more clear. You know, it's like the air we breathe. Let's face it. You know, white supremacy, it's everywhere. So, so even before the Black Lives Matter brought this more into focus and forced, really forced this conversation, you know, forced every state agency meeting, and you could go to a lot because of the pandemic, they all opened with, take, with honoring George Floyd. I mean, and, and some of it was great. Uh, Ye, Betty Yee for the State Lands Commission, it was powerful. Her statement was powerful. I truly believe she was sincere. Maybe some others, not so much. But regardless, now we have to focus on environmental justice, right? I mean, that's an ob obligatory. Okay, so, but Lebovin decided we were going to oppose the pool on those, simply on those grounds, on the grounds that we need places for kids to swim. Everybody deserves to learn to swim. It's a safety issue. It's not fun and games. This is serious. Kids are drowning. They're dying, you know, because they can't swim, especially teenagers, especially teenage boys, especially teenage boys of color who go out with their friends, maybe have a few drinks, want to be part of the group, jump in a pool, bam, it's over. Right. So this is, this is, you know, the statistics nationwide of the drownings and everything are so much related to racism and, and class. And we stop building public pools. The whole history of building public pools is really interesting. And it really basically started in the Victorian era with people not wanting to watch naked guys jump into the East River in New York to take a bath. So they created these public pools to just wash the unwashed. And then, then things kind of shifted. And they, they also wanted to enjoy them in their own special hours. That was divided up. And then the poor kids, guess what they did? They tagged up the pool. They graffitied the pool. So they started charging the poor kids. So then the poor kids went back to swimming in the river. And then the, the environment changed from this Victorian, uh, we don't want to look at naked guys, to, oh, look at my muscles. I'm buff. And we had this bodybuilding thing that came up. And, and at that time, the pools were integrated. There was, there was no problem, because it, but males and females were separated. So the bodybuilding thing comes up, and then males and females start swimming together. Oh, hell no. Who's buff? The, the, the rich white guy who sits in an office or, or, or the, guy, the guy who does heavy labor all day, right? So the really good looking guys are really buff. This is like my casual interpretation. You know, oh, 
suddenly who is, so they couldn't be around. Oh no, we can't have people of color, you know, uh, you know, enchanting our, uh, our, you know, our white, our white women, you know? And so the, the, the sexism and the racism, it, it's like, but it's really in, interesting history. But at a certain point, we were building these insane public pool facilities. San Francisco had a pool that was so big, Flyshaker Park, that they took a rowboat around the lifeguards did. These were beautiful ah. facilities, but they were not integrated. When they, the fancier they got, the less integrated they were. And then, then, then they started creating, well, what they call Jim Crow pools. And now when you think about Martin Luther King and Silverado, you kind of see them that way. You could see them that way, I, but I don't necessarily think they were built that way because they were actually built even before the Belmont pool, but they do, they fit the profile because they're small and they're not very luxurious. And then along came other things too, like polio and stuff. I'm, but I think civil rights had a lot to do with the decline of the public pool because they ref, so many cities refused to integrate. And so they sold their pools to private clubs. They just closed down pools. And in, in LA, in the LA area, we not only had segregated beaches, but we had segregated pools in which they had one day a month before they drained the pool called International Day. And that was the day that anybody who wasn't white could swim in the pool. And this international. is- International. International, yeah. And, and so you have this legacy and, 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 and this legacy to me continues under the coastline because- the coastal act is kind of like expecting the public schools to fix racism. They, they don't have that capacity. So the, the coastal commission has settled for a cheap motel by the beach or cheap snacks at the Belmont pool, but that's not good enough. Uh, the, for, the cheap well, snacks are supposed to integrate everything, right? That's right. And the bus that the city oh. has. So, so wow, is this, how is the new, wait, Belmont wait, a bus pool? goes to Belmont shore. Well, there is a bus to Belmont Shore already, but the city is now kind of, it isn't really set in stone yet, but among the special conditions regarding equity, you know, they, they refused to consider a downtown site. Post Commission didn't do that. And, they, and they're limited. They can't make the city do stuff, but they can deny the city the right. And they didn't. They didn't deny the city the right to, to build in this location, which they should have done on every ground. So how did they address equity? And, and so the city now has all these equity conditions, but they're meaningless. Like, okay, more, more free swimming time or more or a few free swimming lessons. Or at one point, I'm, but I'm not sure this is required anymore. The city offered to buy a bus and bus kids from different rec programs in other parts of town. So say you're part of a, you're part of a recreational program for the summer. You're a kid at Houghton Park. What, a bus will show up and you will be able to get a ride down to the pool and you will be able to swim for free during rec time. Oh, what, but wait, you don't know how to swim. Are you going to get on the bus? You're not going to get on the bus. Because you can't swim, right? So <clears throat> there's no way they can't do it because of the location in a corner. They cannot make this site equitable. when we were 
you know, starting this. And it was all about opposing the pool back in 2015, 2016. Uh, and I add this in because I do think it's really important to be open to what sometimes comes your way in terms of information. A young woman who happens to work at Leeway Sailing, Erin Grissom told me, she said, you know, I dreamed about you last night. We're good friends. She said, and you were yelling about, uh, you were telling us, we don't want this pool. And I heard this voice say, and I, I, I just, she just repeated this. I thought it was that she said it, but she didn't. This voice came and it said, don't ask for only what you don't want. Ask for what you do want. So we came up with a dual platform of everybody in the pool. And we, that's what we called our campaign because the people who designed the BBAC, they were already in the pool. And this facility- What's BBAC? The Belmont Beach and Aquatic Center, the, the fa new facility. So the people who designed that, the people who, who supported it, they're already in the pool. And, and, and they already have access. And that even includes a councilman uh, from the sixth, is it, what, who is it? Um, Austin. Austin likes to talk about his niece who's staying with him, who's a championship swimmer, right? And Austin swims at the Y. A lot of people who have the money in North Long Beach, they go to private facilities, clubs. I mean, they're not country clubs, right? But they find a way to access. And then the city also finds a way to offer a limited amount of access. Say in the summer, you can get, take swimming lessons at Jordan, right? You used to be able to take them at Wilson High. That's where I learned to swim when I was seven, before any... The Belmont pool was built, but so, but that doesn't really work. That's they're not community pools; they're school district pools, right? So, so you, you, they, they just didn't think about building pools. And I, and the whole, all the way we've been fighting this, even though we said we need community pools. And what did we find out? And who did we find it out from? Well, we, we found it out from the. Um, it's the committee that sends everybody to the Olympics. What they say is the best way to teach people how to swim is if they have access to a community pool in their neighborhood, close, right? Not two bus rides away, you know? So it's just a no brainer, it's just common sense. So when, so we started that campaign, we want community pools. And you know, that, that diving board that costs $12 million, you know, you can build a community pool in every district for that. But they'll say, oh yeah, but that's Thailand's money. But they don't have enough Thailand's money. And they're not going to have enough Thailand's money. So where are they going to get that other money? You know, well, we know where they've tried to get it from our general fund, from our measure A fund. And now there's a county. There's also a county measure parks fund. And, and so what we need to do, DSA, all of us, we need to watch this budget process. And we need to make sure that, you know, we don't see them trying that again. And they may not this time. But, but the other thing is we need to have a platform that says, no public parks money for the BBAC. No, no more. We're done. And try, I would think we should try to get that other money back from, from the Thailands. You know, that's or it's just set aside. It could be voted away again, too. So it was just a vote three weeks ago to just sort of a finalize this deal, the compromises that the Coastal Commission asked for. So why not take the opportunity to go down there and fire one more blast at like, no, we don't approve. So when we did that, when I did that representing the group, then we had this surreal moment in which, you know, Susie Price was trying to, according to her, 
point out, you know, that I was the only one that raised environmental equity, me as an individual. And so I'm listening and I'm thinking, yeah, but that's not true because it's an organization and they love to do that. They love to make you this lone individual Mm. and and Mm -hmm. not acknowledge the community. And today I found a comment back in 2014 of one guy saying, but we need community pools. So we saw this, we see this all along in the EIRs and the Coastal Museum. We see these public comments, we see a public awareness. Our survey that we were passing out yesterday, we, when we passed it out before, everybody chose, which would you rather have? Eight community pools or one fancy one? Nobody, well, nobody wants the fancy one. And these are normal people that care about their communities, even people who live by Martin Luther King, who already learned to swim. They, they say, oh, no, the community, the community. So it's good to know that, you know, we're in the majority here, but we're just not in the decision-making majority, right? And and so what what happened is that as a result of, of, of Price then switching gears and quoting the chair of the Coastal Commission, who, as they passed this, hinted that the reason people don't really want this pool in the richest, whitest corner of town is that they're rich and white and they don't want people of color coming to their part of town. That So he hinted the chair, Padilla, of the whole Coastal Commission called the people opposing the pool basically racist, right? So Susie brought that up at that meeting. And then Yuranga jumps in and says, yeah, he said, it's all about like, you don't want people of, of color in Belmont Shore and you just want us, you, she goes, you're telling us get in your pool and stay there. Like what pool, Yuranga? You don't have a pool to get in. You know, what the hell? So I started yelling. So, you know, it's like stupid. And and so, you know, I started yelling and yeah, it's true that there, it's not to say that, but it's not even about no, that. This I, is, I, I, a few DSA, a few other DSA members were there, and yeah. you did start yelling, and that was great I, I, and yes. completely appropriate. And um, I have impulse control it, issues, but no, 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 it was a bad no. thing. It was, it was just the arguments they were bringing, uh, folks, were just like ridiculous, ridiculous arguments, completely um, oblivious to like the concept of structural inequality and just weird arguments that like building a building a pool in one of the richest parts of long beach as far away as possible from the west side and uh the ninth mm-hmm. district which are pretty much like victims of environmental racism oh. um and large communities of color presence like this was part of the process of equity this was the part of the process mm-hmm. of integration yeah. and yeah it was it was sickening to witness them characterize you as racist so, so what ends up happening is the next week, Mr. Richardson introduces a resolution unanimously supported and endorsed. You know, it's like he founds, he founds the resolution and his co-signers on the resolution include Susie Price and they include Al Austin and then the first, Mary Zendejas, right? So the four of them bring this resolution. It's supported unanimously to explore building a pool in North Long Beach. And so your head is your head is spinning around, right? And you know, this is a good thing. And every word out of Richardson's mouth, it's not like he never said this. I mean, he was not against community pools, but what is that like you talk about tipping point or whatever? What where does it come where now everybody is it's okay with that? Is it partly because they've got all their approvals already? So they don't really 
it, there won't be more votes that, that, that anybody needs to do. So we can now promote this and not see it as, as undermining the pool uh, that, that they already proposed. I'm not sure, but his arguments make perfect sense. And he tried to argue of global warming as well in terms of, of the heat. And it's true that Long Beach is not Laguna. Long Beach is not a tiny, we are the only coastal community that is majority people of color in California. Oh. That's a pretty interesting thing to think about, you know, whether it's Redondo or Manhattan. So, so when we're, we're getting in, into that aspect then, but we're not, we're not inclu- being inclusive at problem solving in that way. The city isn't. So, you know, I feel like I've taken up a lot of time on the pool, but what I, I really feel like when we talk about it mirroring the Olympics, what we've got is a matter of priorities, ignoring the priorities that we absolutely need to focus on, whether it's sea level rise, you know, for infrastructure right along the beach, you know, or, or what, whether it's just abject, you know, poverty and ill health and, and uh, you know, in our city as a whole. So, you know, we, we knew going in that we couldn't expect people who were worried about getting deported and, and concerned about, you know, just making it through the day that we weren't going to get a lot of people down to City Hall or certainly not to a Coastal Commission in Irvine. So we, you know, we took it upon ourselves to make those arguments and, and, and the arguments are valid no matter who makes them. But, but it's really important now, I think, that this issue is coming up. And one of the most powerful voices, I think the most powerful voice that night, well, there were two, two other people spoke, an African-American man who gave them five different locations for a pool right off the top and, and said, well, it won't, cost, it won't cost that much, a couple million, and Richardson's going, no more. And then he goes, well, you know this, Richardson's going more. And he goes, well, it won't cost a hundred million. And then we all cheered. So so that, that awareness is getting out there. But this woman had made a video. She made a video of a bunch of teenagers, and it was on next door out in the ninth district, breaking in, jumping the fence to swim in an apartment pool. And then the manager yelling at them, I'm going to call the cops. And Richardson talked about the video. He says, I don't know who made it. A woman comes up. She said, I made the video. And I made it because why should kids have to break the law just to go swimming? And how will cops feel when they are called out to arrest a kid who simply wants to swim. And had I had more than two minutes, I would point out, and guess what? Guess what the good thing was about that? None of those kids drowned because those teenage kids, those are the ones that jump the fence with their buddies at night and then they can't swim, but they don't want their friends to know it. So anyway, but back to back to the Olympics. So what I see in the Olympics is the same thing whether it's changing the preference for or the priority for what blue line you're going to focus on, what Metro link you're going to focus on, or we're going to part of the plan for Long Beach is to, we have a seven point Olympics plan. We're going to build another hotel. We're going to, you know, have all this focus on bringing the Olympics to Long Beach. And that's, that's just, uh, it's like bringing the BBAC on steroids because, you know, and I, I'd like to know what, what, where you guys see the links in, because they're promoting the BB. The two things that are happening with the Belmont pool is it's being promoted as, you know, Olympic tradition, Olympic champions. We have these champions, you know, we have this history. It's mainly Wilson high school, white guys, never mind about that. But anyway, well, not actually mind about that, but also, also, it was the argument for not being able to move the, this facility downtown. It was one of several arguments because the actual Olympics 
facilities right now that are going to be used are the pier for sailing. It has to totally be rebuilt in order to qualify. And the downtown parking lot is going to be used for temporary pools for water polo. So yeah, so they're reserving that parking lot. We can't build anything on it. We need it for the Olympics. So, Uh. you know, so it's, and these special events, even like the Grand Prix that's coming, the Grand Prix is not a very high class race, but it's getting all this attention. It, the, the city's violating its brand new policy of not tree trimming during nesting season, whatever. But the pollution that comes from the Grand Prix, the noise, the asthma, the air pollution, and the worst. How do you, the fireworks shows, again, you know, how do you change a culture where everybody's supposed to be on board with these boutique circuses, right? No bread, just circuses. What, what happened in the bread part? We're just getting the fucking circuses. and i wanted to to go back to something you you said earlier i guess you put it really well and you said like there's a lot of existing rules about equity in long beach uh and a a lot more after last year and the fact that it's used to just justify the status quo like you've got like possibly one of the most like racist human beings alive like an orange county prosecutor lecturing you about like integration of pools in order to build a pool in like the richest community it's like the topsy-turvy it's like well i'm going to use equity for what i want to do which is the stupid ass olympic pool god but then how do they see themselves and what image do they want to project so so then you get into that and so you get into this thing people do not want to project themselves as racist it's not really that cool it hasn't been for a long time. Now there's a growing group of people who are happy to protect themselves <laughs> as white races, right? Yep. But, but you know, but not not in, not right now in our town. Let's say in our town right now, right? Being promoting yourself as a racist on the city council is not really what you want to do. So how how do you change that? How did we end up not taking one penny off off the police? Budget? Well, I mean, your point about people not wanting to project themselves as racist, I think like. You've made a pre- you made a pretty compelling argument that building this Olympic pool was sort of racist, and yeah. uh, and so then I that's why I think it's so great and and interesting and and telling as well that you know just after that city council meeting, this new development comes up where Rex Richardson yeah. is trying to implement uh, you know a fund and an initiative to create community pools because they're probably sitting there like oh geez. We look terrible here. You know, it's so, but don't you, don't you wonder about what, like, you know, is, is Biden somewhat embarrassed today as Kabul is, this is like <sighs> Vietnam all over again. This is Saigon. It's, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge tragedy. I but, think when these people get into power, part of like the deal they make with themselves is a separation, you know, like, and the higher you go up, the more power you get, the more you could just like separate. So I don't think Biden's embarrassed at all. And but on the city council, like you said, they don't want to be projected as racist and that we still have some power there, you know, of shaming power, basically. Yeah. And also, I, I don't think I think Rich, if, if you if you ask Richardson, he he would he wouldn't have minded ever having that. He would have maybe even preferred it to the BBC. But politically, he perhaps he didn't feel he could do that. You know, I, I really you really don't know. But how much time do you end up investing in, you know, in somebody else's 
mine. Like I said, look, I, I'd like to try to fix this guy, but I'm not him. You can't. But what you have to do is you just have to keep pushing what you your own agenda. And no Olympics is it is an important agenda. Mm-hmm. And it's really got evidence all over the world. We don't need to just talk about what, what it means to Long Beach. We need, you know, it's clear that this is this is a circus. And and the and the and the real estate idea, that that whole thing that I learned from you know, from the No Olympics campaign about it's not just that moment of the Olympics, but it's the long term strategy of the building and the tearing down and the reserving, the reserving of our public space and our public resources, you know, and holding them hostage. And, and the pool is like that. They're holding this 60 million. It, some people say, well, they already spent it just on paper, whatever. But on paper, at least it's held hostage. And what since 2014. So now we're looking at what, eight years of, you know, what could that money have been used for over those eight years, even even in the Thailands? I mean, we have a huge homeless issue. You could put anything down there. You know, you could put, you know, I'm not for more necessarily policing of, of, of the beach, but you could have more lifeguards. And so maybe the little girl that Aaron and her drowning and had to rescue, well, it was it was Memorial. It was the last weekend of summer, but the college kids had gone back to school, so they didn't have a lifeguard. It's a very short section of beach, no lifeguard. So, so instead of having that money sit, set aside, so, and, and lifeguards used to teach swimming at the beach too. So anyway, I could babble on, but I think it's, you know, it, it is about like, like you say, they don't have to think about it and, the, and, the, and, and that, and they're not thinking about it. I, I, you know, you mentioned political will, and I think it's just evidence that political will is stimulated from the outside. Uh, everything that we were just talking about in, in relation to the creation of pools. Um, and I think that's like crucial for us to recall, right? Even, even if a politician enters in with a, some set of ideas and maybe like internal will, um, a lot of the times, even if they're the best intention, the systemic forces prevent them from maybe doing something. So, um, that just means how it's just crucial that people be our political political and create that political will force that political will. And, and, and also uh, go, sorry. Oh, I wanted to to ask, speaking of political will and like some of these politicians don't uh, feel like the political will is there to kind of wrap us up here. I wanted to ask, like, what is what is your call to action? And like, what can people in Long Beach do against this? I think we've laid out the uh, environmental, racial and uh, financial reasons why this poll shouldn't be built. What what can folks do about it? Well, obviously it hasn't been built yet. Yeah, we need some next steps. DSA and what the community needs to do is is write your city council person, demand a community pool in every district, starting with North Long Beach, and and demand that all funding be prioritized for those community pools. No more money for the for the Olympic pool. You're here. That would be it. And no Olympics yeah. in Long Beach, of course. The iron, hope, the iron is hot right now, it seems, on this issue, especially. Yeah, yep, and yep. also, I really by. hope that we have another one. I thought I was going to be sure. I think the community really needs to learn about what bringing the Olympics to Long Beach means, too. And you guys are the ones to talk next time. I'll listen. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Very <laughs> thank informative. You, and for all the work yeah, thank that you. you're doing, thank you very much, oh. Anna. Much oh, yeah, I learned a lot. Is, uh, I thought I understood the broad strokes, but just the specifics are even more crazy.
dude, yeah. some of those yeah, specifics yeah. are like absolutely like insane. Like some of the stuff Anna's saying, I'm like, oh my god. But there, yeah, there's like she was like, oh, they use they have a policy since 2014, but they just use it to justify what they're already doing. I'm like, bang, nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then climate change is coming in. It's like. <laughs> For 20 years, we've I've been like, you know, hearing climate change, climate change. Now, climate change is everywhere. And it's like, well, what the fuck you think was going to happen? And then 20 years from now, where the fuck we're going to be with this climate change? I mean, we're an oil city. There's so much incentive to just have the blinders completely on, stick, their, stick our head in You're the right. sand, You're literally. Right. Yeah, yeah. Fucking we're shipping sand in to mm-hmm. bury our he- head in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oil city, yeah. It's, no well, it's just uh, you know there's never been an incentive to actually plan seriously for climate change. So and so much of the analysis and interpretation is conservative because people want to like believe that business as uniform as usual can just continue status to go quo, on forever. Status quo. Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of ironic because like like it's almost like liberals as a, as a group have kind of just like forgotten it exists on some level. Like like I remember People used to be a lot more fired up, liberals at least, like during the Inconvenient Truth era, yeah. the, the Bush era. And then Obama got in and a lot of apathy got generated. But at least he was like, like pretending to keep the lights on. He was like, OK, well, we're going to fund solar. We're going to fund electric cars and Paris I'm gonna climate sign, agreement, baby. Yeah. Whatever bullshit he did that was pointless. Right. At least he did a, a try to do a few things. And then, like, you get Biden in there and the guy's just like. Uh, I guess we'll just redo the Paris Climate Accord. Like, he's, like there's no, nothing going he's on. Issuing like, more and more and more uh, oil drilling permits. Yep. Biden Biden is pretty much baking in more extraction of oil um, and a worsening of the situation. When really what we needed was like 10 years ago, like uh, no more permits for any new uh, development of oil or natural gas infrastructure. Well, it's so interesting to see it happen on the local level, too, yeah, I guess. It's like it mirrors. Because now they're like, like, you know, around here, they beat the drum about the environment when they want to at certain points. And then like this pool is literally going to be like under fucking water like Atlantis. And they're like, it's a plan to tear it down. You could build it, but you might have to tear it down. They're going to tear it down. This this is great. Like infrastructure uh, is that, man? Planned obsolescence at work in our city government. That's fucking a cash grab, dude. Yeah. And I love the idea when they're like, they're like, like people bring up, okay, well, the peninsula is going to be underwater. And then somehow these, these, like these appointed by the governor, coastal commissioners become Marxists like us and are like, well, those are all rich people. It's like, yeah, I agree. But there's probably should be some plan to like, we're just going to let the houses like get fucking bowled over by waves. You don't think that's going to cause a problem with the community? Like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of those people are rich, but we're just going to like let that like we're going to do this laissez faire um, libertarian thing where we're like, figure it out, sell your house, whatever. I don't give a shit. So let's say let's say for the sake of argument that all of the water levels around the world rise by by, let's say, five feet over the next hundred years, say 10 feet by the next hundred years. And it puts all the low lying areas on the coast underwater. Right. Which let's say all of that happens. You think that people aren't going to just sell their homes and move? Sell their houses to who, Ben? Fucking Aquaman! 
I still want to go to the beach. I don't want it to be strewn with like the debris of abandoned houses. Do you think that's not going to look like shit? Oh my god! Fucking fancy couches floating down. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, great. Um, interview how so many different issues intersect. Intersect. It's like a direct intersection between um, like justice and equality. It's almost like too much for my brain to fucking handle to realize like, yo, it's all right here in your neighborhood. Like, you don't have to go look further for any sort of like, what do you need to do? How do we fight the problem? It's all here. You want to fight climate change? It's all right here, right here locally in Long Beach. And that's another thing to bring up to be like, they've been fighting this thing since like 2014. It's like just having that mindset and seeing that, like, yeah, it just takes organization. We just have to keep organizing. Like, that's the fucking bottom line. There's no other way to stop this shit. Are you going to pick up a gun and try to take out the state? That'd be fucking foolish. So we got to sit here and just keep making these connections, going to those fucking meetings and seeing those people in person and hearing them talk and fight for what we want to fight for. But it's a great example of local activism right there. Yeah, L Long Beach Area Peace Network, which has taken on had taken on this campaign over a really long period of time. They're not the largest organization. No, not not at all. Like there are guarantee there are many times probably where it's just been maybe one or two people at these meetings from Long Beach Area Peace Network. And it just goes to show you that while they they haven't stopped the pool yet, uh, they've clearly had an effect. Mm -hmm. in the in in the long term so even with a small pool of organizers you can still affect things which yes. then in terms of like dsa and talking about dsa and the numbers that we can field you know if we could get that kind of commitment and dedication to something who knows what we could do and on what timeline we could do it yeah and that call to action it's a simple call to action to just say hey I want a community pool in my neighborhood. That right there is simple, it's direct, and you don't have to include a lot of other policies, which sometimes stops a campaign of like calling your congressman or calling this person or calling a politician. Because I don't like to call politicians. I don't think it's that effective. But yeah. when it's something like this, when there's another group putting pressure with the coastal com on the Coastal Commission, on the city councils, they know what's going on. And when it's coming from an activist like that, I think that holds a lot more weight than just call your congressman. Well, having the thing is like a lot when we talk about this in Olympic stuff, it's it can get a little uh, what's the word? A bit abstract in the idea of it. Like they're like, we want to build, uh, I don't know, a cricket hockey field or whatever bullshit, mm -hmm. right? For $50 billion. And we're like, no, put it in housing, which is good. But at the same time, it's like you're kind of switching gears there. In this case, it's like, no, like we you don't need to like throw out the whole pool idea. It's just that. Yeah. Not here. Like just build community pools because we need them. Right. You're not really asking for like a massive shift of like what the plan is mm -hmm. effectively. You're just asking for a better implementation. Sometimes that's it takes small steps like that, you know, to plant seeds right. about communism, socialism, and like seeing the world in a different way. It's a, it's a smaller ask than saying, let's build our idea of an 80 story skyscraper on the elephant lot in downtown 
of affordable housing, which Anna, I didn't know this. And I mentioned the reason the elephant lot has been sitting empty and no affordable housing is built there with coastal money is that for auxiliary pools for water polo, which sounds like a thing I would make up, but apparently is true. The reservation. We need, we need our- these water polo competitions, <laughs> Jordan. This is gonna this is gonna be good for the long term health of of Long Beach. It's, In a community a where kids are drowning because they can't priority. swim, right? Yeah. Oh, we got a fucking short history about the fucking racism in community pools. I didn't know any of that mm-hmm. shit. It's fucking wild. It's very interesting that they started out as integrated and then they were like, as things <laughs> kind of moved around in like the racial supremacy sphere, it was like, woo, hey now. The day before they drain the pools, it's International Day and that's when people of color can come swim? Oh, okay. I also love the implication of International Day. Like, yeah, Vic, you can come during International yeah. Day. You're like, I'm American. American. It's like, <laughs> you're already sure they were Haitian, dude. Yeah, that shit is wild, man. So funny. So, call to action. Call your city council member. Oh, write them a letter saying that we need a community pool. To be honest, I usually don't recommend that type of thing, but in this case, I, it's fun. Same here. Same here. But I'm going to do it, and I'll probably... Try to get like a short, tiny campaign going in DSA Long Beach to get our members to do that. I think it's a simple ask. Yeah, I, I always question the validity of of writing letters more so to other at like other levels of government, mm-hmm. state level and federal level. I think there can be it's way less effective. Yeah. Um, but it's such a small ask to write a letter. Um. And, you know, you got to you got to go through each tactic. You got to go through each tactic as it comes up. So, Vic, um, I mean, to kind of zoom in specifically, I mean, your neighborhood, you don't have a fucking public pool out there in North Long Beach and your kid. I don't know. Can your kid swim? Do they know how to swim? Do they take swimming lessons? Uh, She took some and then at Lakewood. And when it got time to go in the water, she said no. And she hasn't been back since. I mean, if you had a pool down the street, probably a lot easier to. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, rope her into it. Something that mm-hmm. Anna touched on really briefly was, and I, I don't know that this was going to be your point, but it made me think of this, was like the presence of a pool as a way to keep cool. So uh, Long Beach is, uh, most cities, they form heat islands. Mm-hmm. And especially in like the Ninth District and the West Side, there's a lot more concrete. They're further away from the ocean. It can get a lot hotter. And Sometimes having a community pool is just one of the only ways people can cool off because they don't necessarily have AC in their house. Uh, Their houses aren't necessarily well insulated. So, um, you know, this is something I think about. This is part of the climate crisis, too, is just people dying of heat, Um, which is which is something, uh, you know, it maybe most people don't think about when they think about like pool access, having access to cool water. Yeah, in the Pacific Northwest, people died of heat, and they usually doesn't get that hot. What do you think is going to happen in Long Beach? The same thing. And once climate change keeps happening and keeps progressing along, at one point, it's going to be hotter than it ever was in Long Beach. Just like July is the hottest month we had on record. Oh, guess what happened? The month before that was the hottest month we had on record. So, like, it keeps going. Like, yeah. All right, that was a great interview, and a real insight into the No Olympics campaign and how this pool in Belmont Shore intersects all the issues. And it's been going on for a long time. 
So we need to do something, something about it. And what that something is, write a letter to your city council person. Write a letter to your city council person saying that you want a community pool. Instead of having one big-ass pool in the furthest, fanciest, richest part of town with no access, let's have community pools in every district so all kids learn how to swim. It's a safety issue. It's a recreational issue. It's a justice issue. It all intersects. And with that, I'm going to say, I'm Vic. I'm Miles. I'm Jordan. And don't forget to ask yourself, wait. Why, Why am I talking? talking?